Today I'm going to share with you how the doctor, the helper, becomes the victim or the woman in need. I'm going to share some really personal experiences with you that I know will change your life. You might notice, for those of you who follow my podcast, that I am not in my normal studio. And there is a very specific reason about that that I'm going to talk about. I'm Dr. Christy Wise, and this is Life Sauce. Today we're going to do something very different. I'm going to be joined by my extraordinary producer who is going to help me by talking to me and asking questions and really so that I can have a conversation, an open dialogue with you about what's happened because it's very personal and like I said, I think I know it'll be incredibly impactful, but it's not always easy just to share the story. So he's going to jo- join us today, and I'm thrilled about that. So Christy, you've, you've just ended a, a long-term relationship, and, and the, the breakup did not go well, to say the least. But let's go back to the beginning and, and talk about how that relationship began and how it impacted a previous relationship, uh, your marriage. Yes. Yeah. So I was married for a very long time, my whole adult life, which was also a very abusive relationship. Although at the time I didn't realize it was because it was very subtle. And so when I got out of that relationship, um, I was, had been harassed and really ongoing battery through the legal system and through all kinds of things. And when I started dating, I noticed that a lot of people that I dated were incredibly intimidated by my ex because he wasn't going away and all kinds of things. And it was very difficult for me to, first of all, be open about what had happened to me, given that I'm a helper and I've spent my entire career helping people. And so there's embarrassment and shame around that. But it was very painful to have men want to sneak out the back door because they were terrified of my ex and what he could do. And then I met my partner and he, well, I didn't think he was my type at all. Um, I was so relieved and so grateful that he wasn't afraid of my ex. And as a matter of fact, it was the opposite. He saw it as a challenge and wanted to be my protector. And I was so tired of the you know, the fight that I had behind me almost eight years, I was so relieved that there was somebody that wanted to be my protector that I opened up the relationship and, and let him in, in spite of our already, you know, some differences that we had. And at the beginning, I assume it was, uh, a good relationship. You were, you were happy, you felt safe. And how long did that last before things began to breakdown. Right. Well, it was a weird circumstance. Um, I did. We were, like I said, we were very different, but I I was kind of intrigued by that. Um, You know, explain, let me stop you there, Christy. Explain what you felt at the time were the differences between two. So he had a very different upbringing. Um, I have lots of education, two masters and a doctorate, and I'm used to being around people who, you know, promote themselves as highly educated And he had very little education, but was incredibly street smart. He grew up on the streets, and I don't 
really have that naturally, street smarts. I, you know, grew up in the valley and there was not a lot of need to be, you know, street smart, um, smart in fashion and other things, but that's a whole different story. Anyway, so um, it was very different because he was rough around the edges and raw and edgy and a lot a lot of people liked him very much because of his harsh personality but I also felt like he was almost a cartoon character and I could empathize with his lack of knowledge and really just paid attention to I thought his heart and who his spirit was and he was so eager to spoil and please and my kids and myself that it felt so wonderful but it was a weird time because it was covid and so, you know, there was a, you know, there was a separation and immediately he, and just like a lot of people, they started feeling lonely in their homes alone and didn't want to be alone. And I had a house full of kids. And so he would show up at my house and leave groceries at the door and all kinds of sweet things at the door. But I started feeling very guilty because he would, you know, talk about how alone he felt and, so I ended up letting him in, uh, you know, to hunker down with us. So it wasn't, it wasn't that it felt time to move in together or it just, it kind of felt like a, a kind thing to do. So he didn't have to be by himself all the time. Um, it's probably, uh, interesting to a lot of people to find out that in real life, even people like yourself who have spent years and years helping others can fall prey to some of the same things your your patients tell you is happening in their relationships. Yeah. What did you start to see? And were you a therapist at that time or just a, a, right. a, a mate? Right. And, and what I'm getting at here is, did you try to analyze the situation as a therapist or as a, as a love mate? figure you could get past this and things will will get better? Yeah, that, it's a great question. So it it was more educational. Like I thought, okay, he's not very aware of basic communication skills, basic relationship skills. And of course, I wasn't aware of, you know, how to protect myself legally or, or other ways in the home and stuff like that. So I thought, okay, he'll teach me, I'll teach him. He seemed very open and excited to learn how to be in a healthy relationship, he, you know, given he had not had successful relationships. And I was excited to teach him about how to be in a healthy relationship while he was teaching me how to be street smart you know, like, you know, pay attention to my surroundings and things like that. But, and it did kind of happen right out of the gate, red flags. Like, you know, when I moved, I moved into this house and while it is awfully romantic and I saw, I see everything as romance, which is part of my problem, part of the issue of what gets me into this. Cause I, everything seems romantic, but he had replanted all of my flowers and my plants in the house. And, you know, for a woman, we want to pick our own plants and our own flowers. And by the way, this sounds stupid, but we had a big fight over the mat, you know, your, the welcome mat. Because again, I wanted to choose that mat as I'm a woman in the house. And that felt like, and it felt like that was a boundary that he crossed to plant plants that I didn't okay. 
And I got, I, I pushed back. I almost actually broke up with him because of that, because of that, because I thought it was a terrible sign. He did let me know he just wanted to take care of me and he wanted me to have beauty around me. And of course, I saw that as such a romantic gesture. But that was one of my very first red flags that I got very upset about and started making sure that there was a boundary in the kitchen. And I don't mean that women belong in the kitchen, by the way. But during COVID, I baked a lot and I didn't, I wanted to make sure that I got to kind of nest. And, and, you know, put the house the way I wanted, you know, make the house the way I wanted. So that was the re- a huge red flag at the, t- at the time. As a guy, uh, I, I hear that story and I'm, I'm thinking to myself, that's a very romantic thing that he was doing for you. And I agree he was, I'm sure he was trying to take care of you. And some people may criticize you for, 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 for saying that that was a point of contention because it seems like such a small thing that may have been misinterpreted yes. was was that the case yeah and my maybe i misinterpreted it first because you know given my marriage uh, you know i was accused of over romanticizing things like you know people make fun of me like glitter and rainbows come out of my ass <laughs> but and, you know like it's just and it's just the truth i just i tend to see things very romantically and that was part of what i had been shamed about in the past and i was so afraid of making those same mistakes that I was going to let the pendulum swing all the way back. Um, although I have to say, in my heart of hearts, I love the flowers that he picked, <laughs> that he planted. I probably went to, you know, and, and it was excessive. It was gorgeous. So I was a little worried that I was being a scorned woman. And so I backed off on that and thought, I need to be more empathetic and more accepting of of his gifts and his generosity. Like I kind of, you know, was hard on myself about that too. You were together for about four years. At at what point of the relationship did did that occur? Yeah. So we had in, in that home, we had a flood, which was really annoying during COVID if you've ever had a flood in your house. And so I had to look, we had to look for a new home and he ended up finding us a home that was absolutely gorgeous. And given that I had been a single mom with four kids for eight years on my own with no help from my ex and no support, when he brought me to this home and with this pool and I was like, Oh, I was so excited. And the closet was so pretty and I could fit all my clothes. And I was just, you know, like that part of me. And I said to him, I, I I'm not ready like this is awfully fast to move in together, but COVID was still going on. And I was absolutely wooed by the beauty of, you know, the home and my kids having space. And, um, and so I thought, okay, let's do this. But um, it's a little soon. Um, but you know, it seemed to, I, I was definitely, um, wooed by all of that. And this was early in the relationship. Still. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask you a, a question that I'm going to repeat several times throughout yeah. uh, this this story you're telling. And um, because I want to take this in steps so that everybody watching and listening uh, uh, understands. If, pretend for a second now that, that um, I'm telling you this story. I'm the patient. You're the, you're the, the doctor. Yeah. What would you be saying to your patient at this moment if you had just heard that story right 
I might be, you know, with my my clients, and I I might appreciate the the need for safety and the relief of something beautiful, and you know, especially when my the client had been through so much trauma in the past, worked so hard as a single parent. So I probably empathize with the idea that we all enjoy some, some relief and some beauty. And and I, I can really appreciate that. I might have a conversation about what, what was that client giving up or, um, not watching or avoiding or disregarding because they were wooed by the beauty. And, and I think that that's, that's, where shame exists, right? Because it's like we, it's easy to be wooed by the pretty things and avoid some of the not so pretty things. And were you wooed by the beauty at that point? No question. (laughs) There's no, you know, the pretty, pretty, pretty stuff that I felt it had been many years since I gotten to appreciate and knew that there were parts of the relationship that I, as a partner, found myself really working even harder on, you know, basic things like, you know, um, not being rude, not hanging up without saying goodbye, which I turned into a game because I, I wanted there to be a positive, I didn't want to be critical, but it was also, there are certain things that weren't okay for me, you know, like he would always hang up on me and never say goodbye. And it infuriated me because in my world, that's part of manners and certainly with your partner. And I couldn't figure out, you know, first I showed him anger, then I showed, then I got upset and then I got tearful. Then I turned it into a game where I charged him every time he'd hang up on me. I never made so much money that month in my whole life. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I would charge him a hundred bucks every time he hung up on me. And, um, then I started not minding when he'd hang up because I got excited and started thinking about, you know, how big my savings was getting bigger because he kept hanging up. And it became a joke. His bad manners became a joke. Um, but I did feel myself pushing harder, um, trying to introduce books and therapy. I suggested he get into therapy because I didn't want to be the one always to explain what respect in a relationship look like, you know? It it sounds like you were trying to change him, fix him, yeah, get him to comply with what your norms and expectations yes. were. Would would you allow one of your patients to do that? No. I I wouldn't because you know, first of all, we can't change anybody. However, when two people say I know what I'm doing you to you is painful and it could be destroying the relationship. Then there's there are conversations about what do you need and if that person is willing to make some alterations or grow or evolve, then it's fabulous. That's the best we can hope for. Like, ooh, if what I'm doing is really wounding my partner, let me let me try to figure out a different way so that I don't wound my partner. So there's something very healthy about evolving together. And I noticed that I would try to be more more and more empathetic. Um, with his flaws, which was part of the problem because, you know, someone in my profession, we tend to be overly empathetic and feel guilty when we're not being empathetic. At least I did. I felt really like, oh, I'm being harsh or I'm being, you know. Um, so, yeah, so there was a level of 
you want, you want to fix this because it's hurting me and I know how to give you the tools, but I also should have seen it. If this is a person that has no manners, this is a person that has no manners and it's not just with me. It's everybody in his life. And was he interested in, in fixing these things? Was he okay with it or did he, what was that off right. to him? No, he said he, that was part of the, the narcissistic kind of thing is the, the, of course I want to for you and I get it and thank God you're helping me and I'm a better man and I'm a better partner and I'm a better, I'm a better, you know, you know, I, I, I mean, and it was healing other relationships in his life. He got, I re, you know, he reconnected with his family, his kids who he hadn't spoken with. He was doing better in business with business relationships. And so he was, it seemed as though he was appreciating the value of his growth and I was appreciating the try (laughs) you know like it wasn't he still hung up on me still did rude things you know um but I I appreciated the try let's move the story forward what what happened next then in the relationship How, how is it going at this point so I'm I'm now in this home and I realize that I'm enjoying very much the relief of the help and being cared for. What I noticed was, was that there was a lot of financial manipulation, but I also want to take responsibility for the fact that I enjoyed it, all of it. Like what kind of financial manipulation? um, Going to Nordstrom's and, being able to buy prettier things that I hadn't been able to afford before that or leveling up everything, leveling up my health insurance so that the kids and I were more protected, leveling up my office, all things that on my own I couldn't afford. But I also now recognize that that's called grooming. And I had been being groomed for a long time Um and and I recognized the control where all of a sudden, you know, all of the bills were going to him, all of the accounts, the passwords, the the, the same those those were the same mistakes I made in my first in my marriage. The trusting and thinking, I'm not good at that stuff. I'm good at this part of my life. You know, I have life sauce, I'm turned on about helping people, I have all these all this vision about what I can do. I don't want to do taxes. I don't want to do it. I don't like it. And, you know, when when he was like, don't worry, it's taken care of, there was, so I started to rely on and depend on all of that. And so that was both my fault because there were so much. I should have said, you know, I can't afford upgrading this office and he'd get mad at me and say, now we're together. We're going to get married. This is my job is to love and take care of you, which again, I saw is so romantic and it was such a relief, but I also see my role in that. What, explain that. You're, you're, you, he was trying to protect you. He was trying to help you. He was trying to build a relationship. Yeah. And it almost sounds like, and correct me if I'm wrong, that you were just sucked into all of that. Oh, so sucked in and so wooed and, and it was in a normal, if there hadn't been emotional abuse and psychological, it would have been romantic. It was, you know, the random gifts or the random surprises or the, 
you know, the things that he did felt so wonderful. Um, and, and there was a lot of reciprocity, you know, I, I made sure and really pumped him up and provided support. And I know it wasn't, there wasn't a dollar value on what I was doing. However, you know, the helping him quit smoking and get fit and all the things that I knew that I was participating. So it felt like an amazing give and take, um, in spite of the fact that there was still a lot of, um, things that made me uncomfortable that like, you know, at night he would drink, we would have cocktails at night and he would get mean and harsh and harsh with other people. Like I would hear him on the phone with clients and I'd hear a racist remark, which would make me spin because that's the opposite of who I am. You know what I mean? To be, to be like that to people rude or hard or racist. And I would get upset and I would start pushing back. And when I would push back, he would become a bully. I mean, and it became very quick. So from the time that we moved into this new house, it was probably two months in that I started realizing that this wasn't okay and that I was more and more trapped. Do you know, I started to feel trapped. You hung in there for a lot longer. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so let me go back to that other question. If, if you were the, patient at this moment and Mm -hmm. and i was the the doctor yeah what would you be telling that patient i think at that point i might be asking so you see the red flags i i can get now there's some fear because there's financial dependence you still are being the world is still threatening with your other your exes out there still you know there's you can't protect yourself without support so now you're in the position of now what do I do? I'm, I'm exposed, but even more so now your children are being taken care of and you're going to take your children out of this. And now you're in a really vulnerable position because you can no longer afford to put two people through college, you know, you know, like push the, the other X off what he's doing to you. And, and so now you're in a very vulnerable state. And so I think at that point with my clients, we would talk about and probably validate that, yes, you are in a vulnerable state. Now you're feeling trapped. What are the things that you need to do to start protecting yourself? Dr. Christie, are you getting down to the to the point, uh, to the notion that this is why so many women stay longer than they should in a relationship because they do feel vulnerable their lives are so wrapped up in the way they're being controlled and run by their, by their spouses that they don't see a way out. And maybe the alternative is even scarier than staying in that relationship. Oh, 2000%. I mean the, the feeling of being trapped and the financial, and I, I call it financial abuse because there's, you know, there's no way that if you don't have the means other than going to a shelter or, you know, that, that, that you can figure out how to get out, especially if your accounts are being watched, if the credit cards, the bills are not coming in your name. Um, was he doing that in, it, to intentionally keep you bound to him or was he just trying to be the man in the house? I think it was both, but the cars that, that, you know, he bought me cars, bought my kids cars. 
he had control over all of them. Um, but then started having control over even my physical space where I didn't realize at the time that there were GPSs put in my cars and he started showing up every place I was. So if I had a break in between clients and I would run an errand or go to lunch, he just happened to be there and would say things like, well, that's weird. Well, since I'm here, let's have lunch. Do you know? And, or if I would leave the, you know, my last client of the day canceled and I would leave to go somewhere early, he'd call me and say, I'll meet you for dinner. You know, like he knew I left the office and, and it, so I started to feel very trapped and let me stop you there yeah. quickly and yeah. then continue the story. Yeah. In the four year relationship, where are we now? Year wise, we are, uh, two and a half, two and a half, three years in. Okay. So you're, you're starting to really become concerned about what's going on yep. yet. You got another two years to go before this thing came to a head. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, and, I started, and this is where it got scary, and for many, many victims, it is how it gets scary. I started pulling back because I thought, I I don't feel safe. I'm not safe. Um, Sex became further and further apart, and if you know me, that's a huge red flag because that is hugely important to me, but I didn't feel safe. And I started sharing a little bit with my friends, but... I didn't share a lot with my friends because, again, a professional, very educated woman is nothing but shamed. I mean, most women, most people are shamed in that situation. Like, well, then get out if it's not good. It's not that easy. But for somebody who had already been through so much and I spent my day helping people, there's so much embarrassment and shame that I am yet in this situation and even more so I just needed to be able to take care of my kids. Like I wasn't sure how to do that and protect myself from what was happening still in the environment with my other ex. So um, I started pulling away. And as I started pulling away and protecting myself, he became more and more and more aggressive and controlling. So I would come home from work and he would park cars behind my cars so I couldn't get out. Um, And when... He would get drunk and I would say, what you're saying isn't nice. And he started being very harsh, like, you know, telling me I was, um, what did he say? A stupid piece of shit. Now, in my world, I've never been called a stupid piece of shit. And I, you know, and so for me, like, that's that's the line. So I would say, I'm going to go into our bedroom. I'm going to lock the door. I need some space. I need boundaries but he started breaking through. And so it was at that point where I said, I'm not going to stay in this relationship. I'm going to get out. You need to get therapy. And of course, in the morning he'd cry and he'd tell me he was sorry. And it was alcohol or whatever. He just got scared or, um, and then there'd be beautiful jewelry, just like the abuse cycle, like the cycle that I know. And you know, the first few pieces I was like, Ooh, gosh, that's shiny. Maybe I can forgive it this one time because you know a good Louis Vuitton bag is you know but it only goes that way and yes I know how whatever it's just the truth it was and it only that only lasted a few times before I was like "Uh uh-uh this is not you know my kids aren't used to hearing argument they're not used to hearing fights um well let's talk about the kids for a second yeah were they aware uh that this was going south or that you were having problems 
yeah. within the relationship. Yeah, they 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 could because I started become I started getting thin, and I started becoming cold towards him, and not myself. And then there were a few times in the morning time that, you know, they'd, the boys would come and say goodbye to me in the morning and notice that the door was broken or the lock was broken off or that I seemed off. And so they started saying things like, you okay, Ma? Do you know? And of course, I, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, because I didn't want them involved. I didn't want them to worry. I didn't want them to, you know, wonder if their safety was at risk, you know. Dr. Christie, as as a, 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 a doctor and a practitioner, if if a woman or a man, for that matter, was was telling you this story of what's close to becoming very physical mm-hmm. abuse, would you tell them at that moment to flee the scene, get yes. out of it? Yes. But you didn't. No, no. It is where I started making a plan. So he, of course, woke up and apologized. We got him into therapy. Now he's going to go two times a week. He kept wanting me to go to therapy with him. I was not going to because it wasn't about me fixing it or, you know, you know, and I knew that's what would happen if I went in. And so he was in therapy and I started to think, okay, I need to put some money away. I need to start communicating with my friends. I need to start figuring out you know, how to get myself out. And I was very honest with him. I got to tell you, and I know, you know, once this shit hit the fan, he acted like it was a big, big, huge surprise. But I did start telling him I was not going to stay in the relationship, that I was not safe, that I didn't feel safe. He'd get mad and say, he's never hit me. I've never hit you. But what he didn't realize is, you know, the name calling and the breaking through the door and the financial threat, that all of that is abuse. But he figured that, you know, if he didn't physically punch me, that it was me just being dramatic. And I think there was one point that he said to me, um, and this was one of those defining factors where I really started saving money. He said to me, you are not 40 years old. You are 56 years old. There is no man that's going to want you. And I thought, oh, hell no. (laughs) First of all, I I thought, I can hardly wait to get out because I'm sure that, you know, I'm not going to have a problem with that. But it was also really painful because in my head, I'm thinking, I am 56. I am an older woman. I am, people don't take a lot of people my age, especially law enforcement, serious. Um, And so part of that, I mean, it, it shook me. Um, but it also pissed me off cause I thought, okay, you fucker, like, you know, like now you're, you know, um, so I started putting little tiny, I'm talking like 20 bucks here, 20 bucks there. I started, um, staying at the Hilton, uh, because I thought the minute I said, the minute you start to get aggressive or mean, I'm taking myself out of the situation. I had a bag packed in my trunk. I had a bag packed at my office. I had all the things I needed, you know, toothbrush, toothpaste in my office. I started knowing that I needed to get out when it got that way. Um, but what I didn't again know that there was a GPS in my car. So he always knew what hotel I was at. And so he would always say things like, you know, I'm in the area. Where are you? Can I buy you dinner? You know? And so then I decided I needed to get out and um, his business was crashing because of the market. And so he started getting even more 
mm, angsty and aggressive and, you know, um, and the lease was ending. So he had to figure out how to get out of himself anyway. So I figured the time would be great. I was still worried about his health. I was still worried about his, you know, making sure he went to the doctor's appointments and which is ridiculous, but it didn't matter. I, you know, I wanted him to be well and safe. Um, and so I started going and on Zillow and looking for places. Now, never in my adult life did I really rent a place on my own or buy a car on my own because I had been married my whole adult life and then in a relationship. So I was terrified about that process. So I leaned on uh, some friends and went and applied for a few houses, but I wasn't sure my budget. I wasn't sure my, you know, I, I just wasn't sure about all of that stuff. It seemed right to me. Um, but I ended up renting a place thinking I wasn't going to move into it until the lease was done so that the split would be less painful for both of us and logical, you know, um, but that's not what happened. And he could feel me pulling away and it got very aggressive and he became very jealous. And, um, even me having dinner with friends turned into, weeks of abuse and screaming and stuff like that because he just, you know. And what little I know about what went on between the two of you, I, I do understand that his business had crashed. He wasn't wasn't paying bills. Right. Um, so all that must have really ramped up the pressure inside of, of him, obviously. Yeah. How, how could it not? Yeah. And... You, you you take it out on the person that's closest. And, oh, and that's yeah. what happened in, in your case. Right. So uh, I want to get to the to the to the ending of that story, but before we do, uh, another question to go back to. Um, you are an educated woman. Um, you have resources. You have experience. You have a, a wide range of friends and relationships. I'm sure in, in your experience, you have come across women who don't have the same gifts that, that you have. Yeah. That's a real inflection point, you know, for a lot of people. Um, what would you tell that woman if she has got a couple of kids, she doesn't have any money, she doesn't have an education, she has a low paying job or no job at all. What do you advise at that point? Yeah. So, Thank God we do have amazing resources. So calling the, your basic domestic violence hotline, they have so many resources that they give you. Shelter, um, money for housing, food. You, you know, they have safe homes, you know, where you can go and they can put you in a, a safe place where, you know, there is... Um, there are locks, there's security, there's anonymity, there's, which is wonderful. There's, there are all these, you can, they even have pro bono attorneys for, you know, domestic violence, um, uh, what do I, TROs, like, you know, getting a restraining order. Um, I did go and get a restraining order, um, but I, I, I kind of want to share something. And this is, this is where I think both pisses me off, but where I found myself lost is that because I am an ed educated woman with some resources, not a lot, but some, I, you know, can feed myself and my children and stuff like that. There weren't a lot of resources for me. And 
because I didn't quite qualify for pro bono attorneys. I didn't need to be in a shelter. So I got a lot of eye rolling, you know, like, oh, you're just kind of being a dramatic woman and, you know, he was taking good care of you. I wasn't taken serious, which again, that then attaches to the shame and the embarrassment of it. But I did have friends to lean on and my friends were really supportive. So I think for people who are in that situation, absolutely getting a restraining order. And at the courthouse, there are um, lines you can stand in. They have workshops you can take. They have all kinds of amazing resources. That way to educate yourself, helping with employment and stuff like that. Um, I just didn't feel like I could, I, I didn't feel like I needed help with employment. I needed help with protection and I couldn't get that. And I still can't get that, by the way, because I still fall in this very weird gray area where uh, at this point, well, let me let me go back. So when I got, when I started leaving, um, he started chasing me down the driveway. If his cars weren't parked behind mine, then I, I couldn't get out. And the neighborhood we lived in was way too big for me to run out of that neighborhood. Um and I recognized when my son saw me one time with him chasing me down the driveway that this was done. I couldn't have him exposed to that. I couldn't do that. So there was one day that he was out of the house um, and, you know, a good a good couple cities away. And even though I wasn't ready to go yet financially or I hadn't totally prepared the kids the way I wanted to, I thought, I got to get out. This is my window. Um because it's just getting really scary. It's getting really bad. And so I packed up my closet and my purses because <laughs> my priorities were kind of fucked up and I didn't want to leave my purses, you know. But and I took some of the food and loaded up my car and told my son and went to the new home. However, uh, when I got, I knew that now this was going to be the scary part because I had to let him know that I would not be coming home and um, knew that he would fly off the handle. But again, because I didn't know that there was a GPS in my car, um, I parked my car in the, in the garage, shut the garage. I texted him actually a very supportive, I know this is going to be painful. Let's just calm down and then let's meet and we can talk about all of it. We could talk about whatever, items you need or you want to split. Like it was very much like, but please respect that I, I need, I need some space. I'm scared and you've scared me and I know it's going to be hard for you. And then all of a sudden within, it was probably within four minutes and that he showed up at my house and my son and my friend were making a load, bringing a load over uh, to the house. So they're a little bit away. I, texted them and I said, I wanted you to know, I texted my partner. I let him know that I'm not coming home. And they said, okay, we're coming home. And he pounded on my door and broke through the door. And I was so stunned and shocked and I'm not a fighter. So I did this weird swinging of my arms and really didn't realize I could kick that high. I'm like, I have a whole new talent. Like I didn't realize, I mean, there was a moment where I froze and I thought, wow, that was, you know, but it was very dramatic. And 
at that moment, my son and my friend showed up and there was a really scary altercation in my um, driveway between them. I called 911 um, and they took about six and a half hours to get there. And because this was probably at, you know, what, I don't know, four o'clock or five o'clock, they ended up not showing up till two something in the morning and, um, didn't really, even though the, the door was broken, the lock was on the floor, the doorknob was off. Um, you know, he was like, eh, like, you know, there wasn't, there wasn't many blood and bruises. So he suggested I go file a restraining order. And so, um, I did, which really made things worse because then the threats and, and, and I do want you to know that because he is so much more financially capable, um, you know, he was calling and sending horrible messages about how he was going to bury me alive and that I would be destitute. He scared the crap out of my kids who did call me and say, mom, give him whatever he wants because he's going to destroy you. And so I gave him back the two things that he was upset about, the engagement ring, the car that was worth more than everything put together. Um, but he continued. And at one point he was willing to negotiate cause I just wanted to be left alone. And so I said, um, through my friend, cause I wasn't communicating with him, um, that if he would leave me alone for two weeks, that's all I needed was two weeks. Cause I thought he could calm down and that, you know, um, that I would give him whatever he wanted. There were some pretty major bills that he had put in my name that I never knew about that he didn't pay for four months. So I had calls, uh, and I, I do not like to owe people. So I was panicking, paying all these people, even though it was all I had. Um, and it was, it's probably thousands, thousands that I drained my savings account because I wanted to make sure that people were made right. I was, um, so essentially in our agreement and he was demanding we do agreement and, and I said, okay, so my stipulation was you pay these two bills and the two people who got screwed over because of me, my name, I say because of me, because it was stuff he did in my name or things he agreed to that I would never have agreed to if I thought there was going to be debt or they weren't going to be paid. And so I said in the agreement, you'll leave me alone. You won't threaten me, bother me, you know, scare me with legal action We'll leave each other alone. You'll pay those two bills, you know, and then I'll give you, we'll exchange whatever items you think that you want, even though he told me to take everything because he had to move. Um, he agreed to it. Then he kept breaking the restraining order. And uh, when I called, they, they ended up sending it to a detective because there were so many times the police came out. The detective called him and Essentially, he told the detective that I was extorting him for money. And the detective called me and absolutely accused me of extorting money, that I was wanting him to pay the bill or, you know, and didn't consider that he said he was going to bury me alive, you know, with legal action. We didn't consider any. And so the detective said, we're dropping any case against him. 
even though he continues to violate and threaten and drive on your block and cancel things that are in your name because he had passwords. I mean, and then to this day, it's still going. I think I know the answer to this, but if, yeah. if, if uh, a patient were telling you this story, would you say definitively that your relationship is over? There's no coming back from this. Oh yeah. There, there's no coming back. There's no, there, the, and, and there's so many other things that have happened, but when a person shows who they really are, um, you know, now it's kind of like that, you know, what is, what is that saying? You know, screw me once bad on you, screw me twice bad on me, but you know what I mean? So, and I recognize that he's so much more dangerous than I ever anticipated because the stories and what he's doing, he's joined with my other ex and they're really trying to intimidate and scare. And, and that's what I meant about an educated or successful person who's stuck in between um, is really in a shitty position. And the reason I'm talking about this today is the one way I can think to make a difference, both as a helper and as a woman, is to turn on a light. And that this can happen, and does happen, by the way, to women, people, not just women, of all walks of life. Doesn't matter race, ethnicity, income, education. It is a huge, huge, um, what what is the word I'm looking for? Uh, It's misleading and not true. I can't think of the word all of a sudden, that it happens to only certain people. It, it, it is across the board and, and in a lot of ways for someone that's successful or educated or there, it feels to me at least me, because I'm going through it and gone through it even more difficult because there's not any experience I've not had with that, where I'm not being shamed about it, whether it's being in court or even attorneys, I call, you know, you're a doctor. How could that happen? So is the message to uh, spouses who, who have had to go through this, uh, you, you need to get out of the relationship don't think that because you're seeing me and I'm helping you that it's going to be easy, maybe a little easier, but Mm -hmm. you're still going to have to go through some difficulty, but you will be better off in the end. Are you able to say that with some assurity to your, your clients? Absolutely. Well, first I want you to know that if you're in that situation, that couples counseling, it's, it is not good because at that point it puts you more at risk and infuriates the partner more. Um, and so you need to kind of keep your cards close, lean on your friends, lean on helpers, lean on coaches, therapists, and really think about how you can protect yourself. I mean, really like making sure that you have your, when you leave, that you have your, um, IDs, that you have the children's transcripts, that you have some cash in your pocket, that you, that you have, the keys to your house. You know, I woke up one night in the middle of the night and took my office key off of his key ring because I knew that, I mean, he had keys to everything. Um, and so you really want to think of if you're not going back into that situation, do you have what you need? Uh, and, and even though it's scary and I'm scared, I'm scared every day I am, and I'm still working through some of that fear and the shame, but 
I'm using my support system differently. You Sometimes this sort of thing obviously happens very early in a relationship in, in some cases and becomes very explosive. Yeah. In, in other instances, it's a slow moving train that, that builds momentum over time. What should spouses who, who are in this situation, women or men start looking for, and when should they start becoming aware and maybe a little bit concerned and even worried and afraid? Yeah. Um, I would say that, you know, we are so much more insightful than we realize. And if something feels off to not ignore that, you know, even if you're, I mean, if you're empathetic and all of that, I get it. We can empathize, but it doesn't mean it's safe. Do you know? I mean, like, so paying attention to that. The other the other thing I realized is that, you know, if I had a camera on me, if a camera or the newspaper were there and somebody saw how I was, if, you know, the camera watched how I was being treated, I would probably be so much more cognizant of how not okay it is. Because, you know, when we're alone in our own head or our thoughts, it's easy to go, well, maybe I'm just being sensitive or it's not really how he means it. But when you feel like this is the lights are on, you too see, do you know, does that make sense? Like, like, like the lights have to come on sometimes. So So at least in the early stages of when this stuff starts happening, Mm -hmm. they should at least raise their antenna a little bit higher and be more aware of what's going on so that it doesn't completely spin out of control. Absolutely. And if, you know, when I first leaned on my friends, made some comments here and there, if the your people who love you and care about you are having a weird reaction to it and you're justifying it, that's probably the biggest indicator. You know, if if even even the flowers, like what do you mean he planted flowers in your you didn't pick the flowers? That's controlling or what? You know, like instead of going, No, no, you don't understand, it's sweet, it's romantic, you know, paying attention to the people that love you. To conclude, uh, Dr. Christie, how how difficult was this for you to let all of this out to the public? Yeah, very difficult because I am still dealing with embarrassment and shame. But ultimately, um, it's quite extraordinary because I feel like as, as a human being, our time here, we either make a difference or we don't. And I hope like hell that somebody that's listening and watching or many of you, or if I had it my way, kajillions of you, um, paid attention to yourselves and, you know, what feels good and safe and right. So I'm proud. I feel really proud of it. And they shouldn't feel guilty about any of this because as we've just witnessed, it can happen to anybody. Oh yes. And, and it, and it does, and it will, you know, so turn the lights on. For more information or to submit a question, go to our website, that's lifesauce.com, that's life-sauce.com, and don't forget to follow us on social media. I'm Dr. Christy Wise. Thanks for joining us.